loves, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cocktail Conversations with Shannon. Are you happy? Are you having a great week? It's inauguration week. Um, And I have noticed a feeling of at least a little bit more relief as we are just not inundated with things that the previous occupant of the White House thought and did all the time. Certainly there's still some flags flying in my neighborhood because, you know, uh, they're also got their Christmas lights up. So I think they're just overall not very good at ending seasons, right? But we have an inauguration that just took place and um, I didn't get to watch everything. There was a, there was a, a tribute they did the day before to the lives that we lost due to coronavirus, which was very moving. I didn't watch all of it. Um, I think I didn't realize it was on, to be quite honest, and then it got a little too sad for me. Um, And then I didn't get to watch anything that came on later that night because it was my anniversary, and me and my husband went out for dinner and dancing. So yay us. Um, But I do want to talk about the inauguration. Watching it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't usual. It was not our normal thing. For those of us who have the joy of watching the Obama's inauguration, and I just don't remember President Bush's inauguration. I was like a teenager or something, so I didn't keep up with his. But, you know, it is typically heavily attended. People are all over the mall uh, in D.C., and there's a parade, and there are people all around it. And I'll be honest, when President Obama was inaugurated both times— When he got out of that car and walked down that street, I was scared to pieces because I just, I was scared that they would, somebody would find a way to harm him because he was the first black president. Thank God those fears were unfounded. Thank God that we were able to celebrate him fully. Unfortunately, first due to coronavirus and then due to the insurrection of January 6th, President Biden and Vice President slash Masoror Kamala Harris, uh, they didn't get to have a traditional inauguration. There were not a lot of people allowed to be in attendance. Uh, The parade route was virtual. Virtual? Did I say it right? So it was mostly just like cameramen and reporters uh, on the walk. Um, So they were able to do everything, but without crowds of support because it was a threat, both due to covid and crazies. Um, So that was kind of weird and like a dystopian novel in a weird way, but they still made the most of it. And I think it was a lovely, uh, what do you call it? Service program event, in spite of the way that things have sort of happened in the world lately. Um, But listen, I am serious for only a moment. Let's talk about these coats, honey, because I didn't realize how much I had been missing regular red carpets and fashion shows and the Met Gala because I immediately was like, ooh, look at her coat. Look at his coat. That's nice. Her mask matches the entire outfit. So let's just get into it. Uh, A lot of our lady leaders were, I don't know if there was a group chat, uh, a text that said, let's be monochromatic. So uh, Dr. Jill had on her beautiful, like an icy sky blue coat shoes, all of it. Uh, Sora Kamala, Vice President Kamala, was wearing like a purpley, it was blue-purple. People are giving it 
purple, but it gave me hints of blue. Those of us who have the 64 pack of Crayolas, you know, dig deep into what shade you think that was. But also like a skirt with the, it was like a dress with the matching uh, coat over it. And um, I made the comment because she was wearing this same pair of heels at the inauguration as she was wearing at the parade. And I was just like, will someone give my sis some flats? I don't know how she wore these high heels for hours and hours and hours. How did she do it? Listen, I wear high heels into a building to sit down and look sexy. I wear them to walk out of the building and go to the car where I immediately put on some flat shoes. Cause I'm at that point in my life. I wear heels to be sexy, but I'm not, you know, once they told me a parade was happening, I would have had on a flat boot. So Kamala, you're a better woman than me, at least in the feet. Um, <laughs> um, even like Hillary Clinton had on like a purpley blue kind of scarf number. Um, so the lady leaders were fabulous. They looked fabulous, but let's talk about who took my breath away. And that is Michelle Obama. When my forever first lady came on that screen, I literally yelled, why are you so damn fine? Like it was an instantaneous reaction. Why are you so fine, Michelle LaVon Obama? Why? Like she's, She's Benjamin buttoning us too. She's aging backwards. If you look at pictures of her from the early 2000s and look at pictures of her now, and it's like, oh, you got, you, you figured out the cheat code. She looks amazing. Her hair was laid by the Lord God himself. Like edges slick, curls, waves bouncing as she walked and behaving. Then she had like this lovely, like, Again, monochromatic. It was like a burgundy, a cranberry kind of color. So there was a good high waist, wide leg pant with a good wide belt on it. So she's giving you waist. She's giving you snatched, right? And a turtleneck of the same color. She's giving us curves. And then this coat, long, beautiful coat. She looked like Morpheus from, I forget the, I forget the, Matrix. Look, just, ooh. Listen, as I talk about it, my pulse. It was, y'all, help me find some wide legs. Mm -mm. See, wide legs are a struggle when you have actual wide legs. They don't look like wide legs on me. They look like regular pants that actually fit. I want me something like, like Michelle Obama had a good swinging trouser and a good tight cinched waist. Oh, I live. So Michelle Obama was giving it to me. Also, honorable mentions, and very honorable mentions, go to the Biden granddaughters. They came out looking like Neapolitan ice cream. They had coats. One of them was in like a strawberry pink. There was an all white number. And there was a beautiful like creamy caramel, camel colored coat. They had the coat, the dress, and their little masks and gloves matched. Everything was fire, fire, fire. So good work. Biden girls, and this is going to sound scandalous. I hope the Biden granddaughters give us what the Obama daughters could not give us, and that's a little messy socialite tea. Now, hear me out when I say this. Sasha and Malia, like most black people in positions, we don't get to do all the crazy stuff that our white counterparts do because as soon as we got to represent everybody. So Sasha and Malia had to, you know, they were on a tighter leash, like remember the Bush daughters they were wild they were wilding out on their young socialite tip and now they're fine they 
write children's books and host morning shows. They're fine, right? But we all know little black girls don't get to wild out. So, you know, I would enjoy a, a smidge of teenage gossip girl drama from the Biden girls. Nothing bad. <laughs> That's my take on the fashion. I do want to talk about, uh, I, I guess, the performers, for lack of a better... I don't know what to call Amanda Gorman, but she blew everyone away. For those of you who did not see the poet laureate of the event, Amanda Gorman, I think she's the youngest person who has ever done a poem um, for an inauguration. She's only 23 years old um, and she's amazing. And the poem was quite stunning. I'm going to include the transcript. I'll put a link in the description box. Well, I'll put a video. I know some folks don't like to read. I'll do both. So that you all, if you did not see the poem uh, being read, can understand it. Now, those of you who are anti-spoken word, it's not bad. It's only it's six minutes long, but there's not too much. Uh, dun, dun, dun. It's not that. It's good. She's great. Uh, yeah, it's called. Oh, the poem is also called The Hill Climb, as well as the book that she is going to release this year. Um, and she just made an amazing impression on everyone. Uh, also, in the fashion tip, she had a really nice, pretty, bright yellow coat because. I had to know, I had to, I have to acknowledge the coat was, she like a little ray of sunshine. So Amanda Gorman, we salute you. You are, you are really honestly the star of the inauguration. So that's amazing. Beautiful young black girl too. Let's talk about the signers. So let's be transparent. I had heard weeks ago, oh, Lady Gaga and Jennifer Lopez are going to perform for the inauguration. And my brain instantly thought the galas, the balls. And I was like, oh, they're still doing the galas and the balls in the evening? Because traditionally, you know, there's supposed to be a big inauguration ball. But, you know, coronavirus. I, my brain did not allow me to compute that the two of them were going to be singing at the more somber uh, actual swearing-in service. But there they were. So let's start with, I'll go in order. Let's go with Lady Gaga. As far as her performance goes, it was pretty standard. She's saying, it sounded like she was live. Um, and she did the national anthem, which was not bad. I just don't need anybody to jazz up the national anthem anymore. And it had little flourishes, nothing disrespectful or out of pocket or weird or, you know, it's not like R. Kelly having people stepping in the name of love to the beat of it but it's just like it's the national anthem just kind of sing it regular you'll be fine and no one no one's version is better than Marvin Gaye anyway so just stop trying you're not going to make it better song just sing it straight but it was neither here nor there it was just a standard performance it wasn't anything to write home about but it wasn't anything to throw tomatoes at um but one thing I will say about Lady Gaga you give her a dress code and she will take it up 12 notches. She is always in what should be considered a costume. So she comes down these steps with this huge dress, like a gown in the middle of the day, huge train and, you know, sort of tufts of red fabric. And it's like a two piece. So the top is a black velvet and she's wearing a giant gold bird brooch. And I immediately was like, did she come dressed as Effie from the Hunger Games? She's literally wearing a giant Mockingjay pen to sing. I didn't know if she, I do want to know if she was signaling or virtue signaling or telling us that she felt like America had become the Hunger Games. Are you telling us something, Gaga? Or were you just here? 
for for the look of it all. I mean, she she came dressed as Effie from The Hunger Games. Again, a thing I find fun, but <laughs> it was it was very costumey. Um, but I expect nothing less from her. This is this is this is Stephanie. This is Lady Gaga. You know, if you tell her to wear a, a gown, she will wear a tutu and dress as as you know Swan Lake. If you tell her, oh, this is just jeans, I think she would wear an entire latex bodysuit. Like her brain does not compute just like regular boring stuff. Eh. Um, I find her clothing very fun. Uh, I'm going to go out of order now because J-Lo came before Garth Brooks. But Garth Brooks also sang. And when he came kind of clomping out in those boots and a cowboy hat and a dress blazer with jeans, I screamed laughing. Because he looks like the type that has a pair of formal jeans with a crease on them. Who told him jeans were appropriate for the occasion? I don't know, but they seem very true to himself. So he did Amazing Grace. He did it a cappella. He did it. It sounded live. Yet again, not that great vocally, but also very earnest, sounded very honest. And and I do think that it probably was a good attempt on his part to, you know, country music has fans that were staunchly supportive of the last president. And so I think Garth Brooks being there and being there so willingly and singing so earnestly was a nice virtue signaling of unifying and us all being Americans. What is controversial is that when he finished, he immediately went and shook hands with, um, I think he shook hands with Joe Biden. He reached over and shook hands with former Vice President Mike Pence. Ooh, I love saying but former, <laughs> former Vice President. And um, he took his hat and he bowed a little to Kamala Harris. And then she reached her hand out and he shook it. And so some people have been saying that looks sexist. He skipped right over the black woman. That looks racist. How is it you shook everybody's hand? But Kamala, can I tell you something though? As a Southern woman, that's kind of normal. I mean, not that I expect men to skip over me, but a bow of a head and acknowledgement. And then the woman is to choose if she would like to be touched by a man. So, you know, look at me, say hello, nod. And if I extend my hand out, then the gentleman is supposed to shake my hand. But typically, that's just etiquette class. That's just old Southern ways. I don't necessarily think he was being racist because I, somebody said he saw Michelle Obama and went and hugged her immediately because these white men love some Michelle Obama. So I don't think Garth Brooks was being racist or, or purposely excluding Kamala Harris. I think his Southern charm old-fashioned ways tend to look a little more sexist because it is rooted in gentlemanly behavior and what is genteel and gender roles. That's just me. Maybe I'm giving him too much. I don't think he was being sexist or racist. I think he was being old-fashioned and traditional. So, but things look funny and things look bad from a different perspective. And if you don't have that experience being more culturally conservative in terms of your interactions and having that etiquette it might look a little funny so I'm not you know ugh, that's messy boots I don't uh okay that's my take I don't think he's a racist or a sexist necessarily let's talk about Jennifer Lopez again this is not shade these are my immediate thoughts 
like I said, when I heard J-Lo was performing at the inauguration, I immediately assumed there's an after party. She's going to be in a leotard. She's going to be dancing. You know, I love when Jennifer Lopez dances. But her just standing in one spot and singing, not really a thing that I'm here for. So she comes out. Again, monochromatic. She looks amazing. That's not, duh, of course. Looking amazing is Jennifer Lopez's true great talent. That's not shade. The girl is fine. So she comes out. She's wearing all white, head to toe, beautiful. She looks like a little Latina angel. And she starts to sing, this land is your land, this land is my land. Two things. It's not bad for, you know, Jennifer Lopez. Like, just, it doesn't sound horrible. But I also don't like this land is your land because it feels like a children's song to me. Like, I don't think an adult woman should sing this land is your land unless children come and sing it with her. Or unless it's like the Sharon Jones and the Daft Kings version, which is a bop. So like already I was like, oh, why they gave her that corny song? Like, I just felt like it was really corny. But okay, she's not doing horrible. It's obvious that she's lip syncing, but standard. Then, so here's where, here's where I was like, oh no, girl. So she does a little break and she speaks in Spanish. And half of me was like, all right, inclusivity. That's great. Like, great. And right as I was about to give her her kudos for giving us, you know, a little bilingual, she goes, let's get loud in the middle of this land is your land. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? She just inserted her own song into this occasion, this event. And it didn't make any sense. It was bananas. Why would you just yell, let's get loud in the middle? It looked, for me, it looked very, very self-centered. It looked very, very selfish. It looked, it sounds so inappropriate, just randomly, let's get loud. And then like a little, like, you know, weird transition. This land was made for you and me. Apparently it was not. It is made for your song. Like, I just, I just didn't like that. It, it, girl, mm. I didn't like that. That's where she lost me. I was okay with, you know, as much as I feel like this land is your land is for children. It's not her fault if they asked her to do it. You know, everybody can't, you know, everybody can't sing the national anthem. I don't want to hear it 12 times. So yes. Okay. I would have enjoyed maybe America the beautiful or just something not so childlike again not necessarily her fault but to just randomly insert let's get loud and I don't know if maybe she did that thinking the crowd would react but girl ain't no crowd Rona and crazies have no there's no no one was gonna react it just like Everything ain't, you got to know time, you've got to know place, you've got to know etiquette. This is, you know, we don't have a royal family in the United States. We don't have those sorts of formalities, but this is the closest we get to almost a coronation. And so it's just like, that's that lack decorum for me, just randomly inserting your mediocre hit in the middle of a song that's supposed to be about unifying the nation. That's my issue with it. I was down for the Spanish because I like Spanish. And I was certainly down for her all white outfit. She looked beautiful and tan and whatnot. But, and she didn't sound horrible. It wasn't like, I'm not shading 
her voice this time. But I am shading the fact that like you got to know what's appropriate, when it's appropriate. And and that might be my issue with J-Lo now that I think about it. Because I'm still mad when she did that Motown tribute like years ago at the Grammys. I'm still mad about it. So it's just no. No, no, no. And no again. That's pretty much what's been going on. I took a long time talking about this inauguration. And um, honey, I'm just glad. I'm just glad. There'll be more mess. There's always more mess to talk about. But I wanted to get all my thoughts on this inauguration out of my system. So we're going to take a short break. And we will be right back with part two of our conversation from hotels. I think you guys are going to get a good laugh. We dive into some more talk about the themes of the album. So a little more sex, a little more relationship. Don't let your children listen. But we also dive into the musical aspect. And somehow, someway, we take a turn into our complaints about gospel music. So take a listen. We have a great time. Um, and I'll be right back. like in in sex though there somebody is the goal is to get something from someone whether it be not really tangible but like validation sometimes Ooh, that's or, a good one. you mean in general or, or in, in like relationships i think both okay anybody have a strong so about okay that? i can say this like in some in some marriages i've i've heard and they told me, like, they have sex with their man to please him. You know what I mean? She may not be in the mood or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, they're having sex to please him. I don't see that any different than somebody having sex to, you know, get something out of somebody else because essentially you're doing something kind of like you don't want to do it. It kind of That's how I feel, like, just to get something from them. That makes sense. But some people like to please. True. Yeah, I mean, but again, that's a selfish thing. Not to please to please somebody is is still selfish because it's the gratification that you really like. Well, then is all sex selfish based on that? Yeah. I I feel so. I feel that way. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if both of them are going into it with, I don't know. Like I feel like if you are somebody who likes to please somebody and your partner want to be pleased, are you not mutually meeting somewhere in the center? True. Yeah. I think there's a mutual it's exchange. Not like, like now it's a difference between like, I'm just doing it because of X, Y, Z, because this, this is what they want. So let me go on ahead and <laughs> get in this. <laughs> That's different. Which is what but a lot of people like, are taught. Let me clearly like, state. I have been in women's oh, yes, ministry that does happen, for sure. and have, and heard, listen, you don't need to have a headache more than tw- your man. Don't need to ask you twice. If your husband has to keep asking you and he goes to the neighbor, that's your fault. You need to, you know, I've literally heard women in churches teach other women that they need to be, whether you feel like it or not, this is a part of maintaining your man's happiness and your marriage's happiness overall. I know, wow. I know someone who was married um, and they ended up getting a divorce, but one of the biggest issues in their marriage was sex because the husband wanted it all of the time. And the wife was like, 
I, I'm traveling, I'm doing this, I'm singing, doing it. Like, I'm, I want to have sex when it's enjoyable for the both of us, like when it's a situation of where, but he literally, it got to the point where it was like forceful and like mm. threatening in a sense. Like, you know, if, oh, so you don't want to do da 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 da, well then, oh, so you must, you don't want me, you don't da 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 da, like just playing like mind games and stuff like that. Yeah. And in that situation, it's like she would do it to like just make calm him, him down. Just to make it work and keep it pushing. So in that situation, yeah, like, you know, and but she wanted it to be a mutual thing where they both are feeling it and they both want to da 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 not not her feeling she was pressured basically in her marriage to to have sex whenever he really wanted it or it was gonna be a problem. I think that's a lot of women. Um, that go through that situation. There's a lot of, there's, there's all types of situations, um, and, and relationships. And that's why you gotta be really, really good at picking your partner, making sure you you find someone who is considerate, uh, because there's a lot of men out there and women who are really inconsiderate and your feelings. I don't really care if you've been working all day. You said no yesterday and I need this now kind of thing. And, you know, so Cause I know the reverse. Like I, know, they weren't married, but I know somebody, a guy. <laughs> both of y'all know both of these people, which is funny. But they <laughs> dated each other, and he broke up with her because she wanted sex all of the time. And he's just like, "This is too much." <laughs> like every time I see you, every time, like you, every day, multiple times a day. Like it was a crazy thing, and he was just like, "I can't do it." Like, nah. And well, it was a problem for her if he wasn't doing it when she said she was ready to go. That's why it's huh? important to date, though. <laughs> so now I'm curious. You're going to have to tell me who it is later. I think I know who it is, but that's not the point. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not a conversation <laughs> for Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why it's important to, to date and date honestly. None of this Bridgerton-style church courtships where y'all kind of just, you know... On that, I ain't seen it yet. Oh well, uh, it's general. I'm not. I'm not spilling no tea. As much as like, you know, I think okay. there's this way that sometimes people think they'll meet magically and then get married a month later without really knowing some of the depths of what is the expectation. I'll say the married couple though that I brought up, she went into it knowing he was this way. She mm. put up with it because there was something that she wanted, mm. and that was marriage. <laughs> Lord. She wanted to be. She wanted to be married. She wanted to have a husband. There was pressure as to like, oh, you so and so and so and so. Why you ain't got a man? That man love you. Da 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 da. You should already. So it was like a whole thing. So back. So we're back up. to Donna's. Everybody tricking for something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she yeah. was down for tricking for her ring. Donna's the MVP of the hotels. Okay. Donna's yeah, it was legit until it just Donna's the too MVP much. of the tales. In my. <laughs> We, we talked about all of the interludes except for Precious, who uh, said that money is what what makes it for her. Money is what turns her on. She ain't her interlude, no I, I totally understood because I know I I know somebody like that. That's her love language. Yeah, I know somebody that's like and 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 when she said how she grew up, mm. like the person I know, that's a huge factor into their outlook and their perspective. Um, based upon how they grew up. I personally have never been in precious shoes because I feel like in my 20s, 
my dudes was finding themselves and trying to get it together. So I ain't never had no dude that had it all together financially. So um, fresh out the twenties here. Um, so, but it made me what I loved about it. I was like, it's okay to feel that way. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like the way black women are portrayed sometimes word to Tyler Perry, he will make it seems as if we have to necessarily settle. I love now I'm a fan of Tyler. I like Tyler Perry. Even though he get on my nerves, I stand for what he's doing. But what he will always do is make it seem as black women, we can't desire somebody to take care of us financially. We got to have the blue collar brother. We got to have somebody who ideally on paper, we can't, they may not be able to provide all the expensive things and all the luxury things that we truly can want and deserve. And it's okay that you want that. Now, again, going back to my whole definition, if you're, dating somebody strictly because of that, then that's where there's a problem. But to say that I want to be taken care of financially, I get you, precious. That's fair. And it's a fair ask. Um, while it may seem discriminatory to to men, to I mean, we all have preference. That's what she wants. Right. That's like, that's what what I'm like, like everybody that's has a preference. Wants. And if my preference is somebody of a financial caliber, and that's my desire. And like she said, that was the way she was raised. Like, I didn't grow up rich. I didn't grow up poor. Like, my parents, I grew up in a household where my needs were met. Did I have every new thing on the block, new J's, new stuff? I didn't, I didn't have all that. So in my mind, if, I, if my needs are met and I have a little bit of wants and you're meeting those needs, that's cool for me. But if somebody that grew up with a certain financial status to where it was always provided with them on site, I get that that's what you want for your lifestyle. But I also get if a person grew up struggling, Santa never came uh, yeah, to, to look at your adult you life and say, I'm never yeah. going to be in the trenches with nobody again. You like, I get that. that too. Yeah, that too. And I a hundred percent, I feel like I fall in the middle, but like, I don't want to, at, at this age, do I want somebody who has, who makes more money than me? Yeah. Because I work in sports and that shit ain't, that's another story for now. But like, I want you to be able to at least, if you can pay for some shit that I can't, let's go. Jamaris, I'm still trying to get on the list. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, but also, also serious said that, that, I, that completely made sense versus, I mean. It just depends on your mentality behind it. Is she dating strictly dudes with money just because she wants something out of them? Or is that genuinely the lifestyle that she desires? And if she does, go for it. Yeah. And here's my thing. Even if it is because she wants something, like, that's her business. It is also like, her. That's correct. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping side that's to that. But, okay. <laughs> but you going to get the dude that you with is cool with. Doing it, then that's you found what you wanted, and he got what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's good to date someone you actually like too. Don't just, you know, I think that's also an issue when we talk about wanting someone who has a certain caliber of something or whatever. Sometimes we end up dating people that you really don't like that nigga, but you like the lifestyle, you like the way you live versus his actual character. Like, I was just looking at was it Dr. Dre's ex wife? <laughs> Tell me how many times she got beat up. I'm like, how did you stay this long, daughter? Oh no. There, there had to, it had to be the lifestyle, and even oh. now for her to leave, she's like, I need millions to go. 
this. Like you ain't really like him. Um, when you said it the first time, you went real serious. But when you said like the first thing, I thought about that sugar daddy TikTok <laughs> with them with the PD Pablo. Yeah. Oh my it, god. No. And she looking like. <laughs> right. <laughs> when he said, "Do you want it over there?" and then shot <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have to put the link to that TikTok in the description box so y'all can look and laugh with us. That thing was hilarious. But it was so scary. Listen, but that's the truth. You you know, you can put up with some stuff every once in a while. And then, uh, Marcel and I were watching Blacklist. Like, and we're so far behind. So if you're listening, don't tell me no spoilers. But the dude was clearly there with his mistress. And the lead character shoots him. He falls over and the mistress literally goes, Ew, and like pushes him off her body. <laughs> that man, <laughs> I scream. One more time, Shannon, it goes, what? Ew. She like, like <laughs> it was nothing sexual. He just fell over and the mistress was like, I don't like him touching me. So <laughs> that's our reminder of like, you know, it's cool to want what you want and want the lifestyle that you want, but you actually have to interact and be around this person and not just their money. Like they come with the money. Listen. I know somebody who married somebody straight up for money. Somebody who was older than them, and when a person got older and they, you know, was having some problems, they took full advantage of that Wait, whole situation. Are you going to be doing hotels too? Yeah, <laughs> Jermaine, I think you have a yeah, lot of good about it. Let's talk about it. Stories to tell, sir. Are you giving us a man hotels? All of these, all of these friends he's heard. Yeah. Things he's heard. I, I like to do an interlude. There are a couple of people that I know. Listen, I'll put you on. Listen, y'all know I talk to people. people just talk put to the me name in the chat box. Are we, we doing we man hotels? Do that. Do it. <laughs> text, not, me. But, text me, friend. Text me. Text me. <laughs> that I can. That I can do. But I'm I'm we stop recording. Hang up. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll stop recording at some point. Uh, last oh, question. The, the last story I said, y'all know. Uh, I know who it is. Well, Shannon and Nadia. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was messy. Oh, oh, she's messy boots, but don't worry. I won't. I won't. Go ahead and text me now, Shemaine. Huh? I said, go ahead and text me now. <laughs> well, this actually, this actually brought back an idea that I had like a while ago. Then I'm like, okay, hotels. I see you. I'm gonna do like a few songs, but the titles are gonna be states. Mm. Like hoes in different mm. area codes? You said like different area codes? Cap. You thought I was just 770 or 404? <laughs> <laughs> Switch my number up on you hoes. They want treat. Can I be on the track? Can I be on the, can I be on the track? I don't want to sing. Yeah, I, I can feature on the, the track. Yeah, I want to be there's the mixtape draw. There's, like, there's a Georgia track. Intro, intro, intro. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I want to be there. There's a Georgia song. Right. Just let me know where to sign up. It hasn't been written, but there's a... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm team Atlanta, not team Georgia. Just to yes. that Well... She got to come on your track, rapping slow like Shorty Low. Don't let her do it. But I got to be careful with my tail. Tremaine, we like Georgia? Huh? Let me not. Let me not. Welcome to Georgia now. Aren't you welcome to Georgia now? Oh yeah, I am. I think I, I can. I'm no longer a fugitive. 
Are you going to tell the listeners? Are you going to tell the listeners how the you Lord were is doing a new thing? The Don't Lord is doing a new thing. The Lord is doing a new thing in 2021. He's doing a new thing. Don't do my friend on this podcast. <laughs> hey, I, I don't mind. That's a that's a tale like that's actually me and I can sell. You know. <laughs> I overcome. Yes, you know, there was a time in my life where I was a fugitive in Georgia and it has since been resolved in 2021. And now I can cross state lines in my car. Is it because you stay speeding? Wait a minute, Nadia. Nadia. What we not <laughs> What we not going to do. My bad. I'm not here. Let me be. <laughs> <laughs> but the bottom line is, I can now, I love Georgia. I can now go there again in my own car. Um, I can now. <laughs> you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to lie because I would never drive to Georgia again because I got a ticket on the way there too. I'm like, I never drive to Georgia again. <laughs> I'll drive again. I just know, you know, certain counties. Let you know, Georgia is red, Atlanta is black. And we but thank you. We blue Atlanta. now. So, you know, who knows what can no, happen? No, it was one of them red counties because it was right when I crossed the majority the of them line. are red. There's 159 counties in Georgia and about 30 of them are blue. <laughs> they was ready. And I, I said, if I ever drive, I'm going to be driving Miss Daisy until I get to ATL because they tried my life. It was probably the same cop, Shereen, that got me. It probably was. Oh, nasty, oh, nasty ass cop. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen a few people connect this project to Lemonade in the sense of, like, it's about relationships and journeys of women and things like that. Do you think that's a fair connection, and why or why not? No. 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 Okay, I understand what they're trying to say. It's it's similar as far as like women like being able to say what they want to say, but the concept is completely different. There's other women that say what they want to say. I, I would connect her to Jill before I connect her to. Well, no, not Lemonade. so much artistry. Not like she's baby Beyonce as much as just the concept of the album. No, I think the same. That, that's what I mean. I think conceptually, both albums are different to me. Um, I think Lemonade was clearly about Beyonce's life and the troubles in the marriage. Like Beyonce, the album before was about happy in my marriage. And these are the things that happened when we got married and we're doing these things. And then like Lemonade was like post elevator Beyonce. Right. So, um, it's it's like those two albums are like two different phases of her life moments and times i felt like this particular album by jasmine was to represent women at large in a in telling different stories from different perspective that women at large go through it wasn't so much about it just being jazz um it was more so about like being very raw about things that women do deal with feelings they really do have and putting it out there and supporting them and allowing them a space to have for that like I, I i didn't get eliminated at all to me only thing i would see is you know um i guess gaining your power in both type of projects but yeah i'm looking at the song list again because i have to like go back and look at some of these songs like pray you catch me and daddy's lessons and forward yeah. love drought what like i don't i could never i don't i don't it's not 
it's not making sense to me, and I needed to make it make sense. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, I love both projects. Both projects are incredible pieces of, of work and, and art, but um, I ain't gonna say that because Lemonade is not my favorite Beyonce album, and it's not even like my top four. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, in terms of the comparison, what I say that I maybe do get, what I appreciate about both is that, you know, to Tremaine's point earlier, it's a conceptual right. record, a project. Mm-hmm. So here is a theme. I'm going to see it through. And so I yeah. see Lemonade was that, right? We saw right. a story that was about this relationship, the highs, the lows, how we overcame the struggles that we yeah. came, you know, overcame the struggles. <laughs> The messages themselves are very different, but they're very true to, I'm telling this particular story. Beyonce was, this is my life, my marriage, and how we got to where we are now. Jasmine's like, I'm telling this universal story of, you know, women and reclamation of power and, you know, experiences that we go through in terms of owning sexuality, things of like things of that. So I don't think the themes themselves are aligned, but the overarching kind of conceptual approach yeah. to telling a story, I think yeah. that's where I saw the the comparison. But very, very different. Yeah. If we talk about the singing. Oh okay. Jermaine, tell us some musical things, please. Yeah, yes, I, I just want to say I want to talk about the singing on this record. Um, I feel like Jasmine Sullivan, she's been a beast, right, since she was a kid. Period. Um, I still remember me and Jam in college, like finding all the the BBC records, and we're partly yeah. why that stuff is even out there online, which is what's funny. Yeah, exactly. And I still remember when you got what's going on from the guy from the radio station, <laughs> yeah, from overseas. Like, what's going on wasn't even out there yet. Jamar emailed this man, and he actually sent it to him. And so, and I posted, like, stuff on this old Timbaland uh, music board back in the day. (laughs) And all, like, the version of Don't Let Me Get Started is that's online is the one with the little, that's cut off and is going to, it's the version I ripped from, like, this foreign website. Although I have the full version, I got the full version, the actual version now that I ain't putting out the thing. But, um, to see her evolution from that till now, I feel like Jasmine, at this moment, I'm so excited for her. I feel like people are really, truly recognizing the force that she really is. I think she's, I saw somebody say she's literally like the Aretha of this particular generation, right? Mm. Like, she is taking that mantle, like, by force. Mm. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> what? Um, were you about to say, Cora? Yeah, no, I think for me, when you said Rita, I hadn't seen that comparison. I loved it. And as I was thinking about even, you know, coming on this call, like, for me, okay, I'm just going to say it. There are people that I love, love, love to hear sing mm-hmm. and don't have great songs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, people who are have some of my favorite jams that I would not pay to go see live. <laughs> Very few artists were like right there in the middle who were like yeah. being down, but like still bop, still great content, still songs that you love, still telling the story. And we don't get that anymore. Like 
you know, I feel like it's the whole, not to group like the whole neo soul, whatever. Like, there's not just neo soul artists, but people who would literally like can sing everybody under the table. I'm like, these songs are whack. Mm-hmm. But you yeah, and I want to pay five million dollars to come see you, and I will do it every right. time that you are in Tampa or wherever I am. But yeah. actually, I'm like, if I wake up in the morning and I want to put together a playlist, like you probably not gonna make the playlist. But I'm gonna come see you live, and the opposite, <laughs> the people on the playlist, I'm probably not gonna go see you live. Yeah, the but super vibey R&B artist is right in the middle. Yeah, who's yeah. like killing every time I see a live performance on YouTube live and we all went to Orlando one of the first times that I hung out with y'all this, um, yeah yeah Sullivan concert in Orlando um, which is ridiculous she's ridiculous like she's killing but the content is yeah crazy like she's yeah. one of our generation I think that's like meeting in the middle and doing all of the above and I felt yeah. like the collaboration like, I felt like I saw her Joe Budden interview, and um, first they were trying to allude to, like, well, they were trying to be a little shady at first with her tiny desk, like, Jasmine, why you had to do her like that? And she's like, wait a minute now, like, mm-mm. she was like, everybody that's on this record, they singing, like, we elevated each other. And I, and I, was it Jam, were you the one I was talking to? Like, what we were talking about, like, the collaborations are just so good and represent the singer so well. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. And you don't get Absolutely. that all the time. Even with, with yeah. especially with people who can, like, really, really sing sometimes. Sometimes yeah. it's so lopsided. And yeah. I felt like both of the artists fit. with the her, yeah, it fit. Ari and her. And it was just like, they just, they can't, especially the Ari song. Like, mm-hmm. I, when I saw that they did a song together, I was like, how is this going to sound? And right. my gosh. Honestly, they that's sound what so makes great together. That's what makes on it so shocking. It's not even the subject matter. It's the fact right. that they are singing it like a beautiful, one of the most beautiful gospel songs you've ever heard about twirling on the yeah. And it was like the beauty of it is what made it yeah. shocking. Like, you guys are so this is lovely. Musically, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know which way it was gonna go because when you listen to both of their style of music and their style of singing, um, it's very different. Like, their approaches to music is different. And so it was, like, to hear the way that whoever controlled that vocal production on these songs, like, 100% kudos. It was, we don't get strong collaborations like that anymore from different artists that are respected um, and that people get into, or the crossing of the audiences. And if they are different, sometimes it's hard to fit them together. And so it's, like, I, I, that to me was a highlight was these these collaborations. I was like, yo, this is so dope. Yeah. You you all sound amazing. Cool. He's over here. For me, <laughs> he, he did something on our group me, changed the avatar to something, but I don't know what it was. Probably oh, a dick I haven't pic. looked. Oh. It's, it's his picture. Look at his picture. <laughs> I changed <laughs> where money reside. Yeah, me too. But anyway... Um, no, like, <laughs> oh, is it here? It's him. You ain't got to read it. I just want to say, I, I wish the, the listeners could see our faces on this Zoom here. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> who's, who's praying for me? That's all I ask. I'm always praying for my Who's on the wall for your friend? Watchmen on the wall. <laughs> I know I gotta pray. Yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely love to see the growth in her in in her voice. 
Um, and like, she is like squalling on, on it and like killing, like, and watching her. So I was watching her girl, like me performance with, on Jimmy Fallon from Tuesday. (laughs) And it was so crazy because I watched it maybe about 10 times because she sat there, she's sitting there thinking about the choices that she's about to do. Like, literally, if you see it when she begins, she's just sitting there like, and I'm like, this girl is killing it. And not only that, she's very thoughtful in what she does. So, like, when she got to her part, he sung it just how her sings it. Yeah. Like, she didn't do much. She didn't do all this other crazy stuff. Exactly. And I think that's super thoughtful because, just being you respectful know, about the moment that she and the guitarist came up with, though. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, like, he, and I guarantee you, he's one of those artists, he never sings her song the same way. Why never, ever, ever. ever. I me, mean, I didn't even know. Let me go Google. Yeah, look it up. It's ridiculous. I'm gonna start being <laughs> links. She won't. She won't sing the song the same way, and it's so crazy. Like it's always a show with her. Um, you know, even how she did like this whole kind of like big band '50s type thing with bodies when she first started the NPR show. Um, like I just can't. I can't. I, I love music, so I love to hear it. You know, but yeah, the ear that she has. Sick. is un- uncanny and she does it with such ease um and i'm just really rooting for her and i hope yeah you know i would love to see more of her to come you know um from her and she's dope with a pen like she's pinned so many of our, our the artists that we love now like fantasia and you know uh, a oh, bunch of artists yes oh, and the fact that she pulled that out of ari because i can't to be honest i can't stand her voice I cannot oh, say Ari's voice. Oh, I like Ari. It's so whiny for me, and it's just like I can see that. I don't. I can't. Marcel like that Shea Butter Bay song. I, I can't. Oh, I can't listen to it. I know. I like I'm sorry. Wow. But the fact that she pulled. She, That's for she, she, I know. I know. No. I know. I haven't heard one of those in so long. I know. You enjoy. You enjoy her. You enjoy her. So what's up? <laughs> but I also find Ari to be incredibly entertaining. Who's the host? Yeah. Yeah. He's you the host. host. <laughs> but um <laughs> you're so rude. Um and I love I love even how she used um Dang, why am I just thinking of Anderson. Anderson, yeah. Yeah. Very similar to his project and what he did with her. So, you know, it was just um it's really great to when you hear somebody's pin game on on, on fleek, yeah. I can, I'm gonna go back to that word. Lyrics on fleek and the the beats are so simple. It gives you a chance to actually literally pay attention to the words mm. and not be too complex. Yeah. One thing I do I do like kind of struggle with with Jasmine on live is she doesn't enunciate as well as I'd like her to because. For me, if I was a first-time viewer and I was watching Jimmy Fallon and I didn't listen to her, um, said the same thing last night. Oh, wow. Yeah, if I didn't, if I didn't hear, yeah, if I didn't hear her, um, you know, her album, because she's so she's strong on the musicality of it all. But sometimes you, I, I feel like you do lose like the lyricism when she performs live. But other than that, she's missing. Ariana Grande can do it, so the hell can Jasmine. Listen, I have no clue what Ariana. Grande and I be says. listening to Jasmine, so I don't give a fuck if you ain't listening to her. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other day, 
Right. Repeat what you said, Alex. Right. Repeat your question. To me, Tiny Desk was perfect. You feel that way about the Tiny Desk, about her enunciation? Did she put it there? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I have to go back and listen. Oh, you talking about, do I feel like the same enunciation issue with Tiny Desk? Yeah. When she did. No, 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 no. I felt like she was very strong okay. when she first okay. um, opened up. I gotta hear the Jimmy Fallon interview then. Okay. That Jimmy yeah. Fallon one, though, she does it in like this. It actually kind of reminds me of like a, it sounds like a mumble almost, but it's like the sickest yeah, no. way that she's singing. Like she, It's like she's singing around the house a little bit. But um, I, I, okay. I, I love her. Huh? No, she had. Did she have a mask? Did you ask her? She had a mask on. It's real. It's real casual. She's killing, but she's killing. Yeah. with you no know, record. Oh, I said right. Exactly. But the white folks, the white like, folks ain't no. Gotcha. The Jimmy <laughs> audience. This is Who my. They Jimmy? need to. They I'm need like, to see the tiny dance. Yeah. If I'm yeah. like, who is this girl? Right. I would probably be like next. Mm. Yeah. Only because you. Can't understand certain things, but if y'all let, if they let, if they love sis, but they'll be all right. I will find yeah, the link to both half or none of what she say. So you know, and she's probably Coachella sister. And I think that's rude. Y'all that's really rude. The, the, it's, it's another R word too. Real, okay? Real. <laughs> <laughs> we're not rude. We're real. I'm excited because <laughs> I'm excited for Sizzle's album. The benediction. Let's get different is a jam. I'm not even going to lie to you. And so it's better days. Better days is everything. Everything is something. It is. But I'm just scared it's going to give me the same sound as her last album, which was like incredible for me. I really enjoyed her last album. I just feel like better days could have went on that album. It's something to me. Lord. I love her. But, oh, I did want to say this about uh, one thing about this record. Um, while we were still talking about like musically, one thing I thought that was super impressive that I have yet to hear another singer do. I think the closest singer that I heard was more so maybe Beyonce when she does it. Jasmine's ability to flip from like modern trap vibes and cadences oh, and go straight into like full out singing. Boom. And I'm talking yeah. about like in and out. Period. Like. Mm-hmm. It was that to me was one of the most insane things the control over her voice to do that and live doing it too. Like it wasn't just in the studio. Like when I saw that tiny desk, my mouth was on the floor. How one minute she's kind of got the mumble rap flow and then like completely went into like Aretha mode or Kimberellish vibes. (laughs) I'm like, period. And then flip back. Yeah, I'm like, no, no, absolutely. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, She's bringing it all together. Yeah. Like, I love these people because they can, I, they're able to do this. I love these people because they're able to do, like, Jasmine is giving you, yeah, vibes, R&B vibes, jazz vibes, yeah. R&B vibes. Like, it's all coming together and it's beautiful. Such a gift. And ain't nobody by yourself. And they can all sit down. So, boom. <laughs> I was in a room yesterday. I do want y'all thoughts before we get up. I was in this room yesterday on Clubhouse and like a lot of gospel artists when they're talking, somebody made a comment, a particular gospel artist. I could say who it is. It was Clubhouse. It was public. Siren Cage. Oh. Uh, Isn't that the Prince of Praise? The room was... Yeah. (laughs) Did they have a turn on that corner? 
I don't know if it's a picture. You can't. They, you just hear them talk. But he so did. the room he was did. about our all our all good singers <laughs> artists, which you know that was what it's supposed to be about. But then like they got some other stuff where they were talking about their journeys as artists and just issues and all. And then they got to talking about the gospel music industry in general. He made a comment like, "A jazz need to quit playing and come to gospel." And then it sparked a whole conversation that happened. Byron Casey. Yeah. <laughs> So then it was like, the presence of the Lord is here, Byron Cage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can say that about, Je- I mean, I say that about Jennifer Hudson all the time, but Jasmine? Right. So it sparked like a debate where you had like Shanice, uh, uh, two tweets oh, on Tasha Page Lockhart, Dietrich, oh, and Aaron God. that were like, they were like, Jasmine is where Jasmine needs to be. And why do we feel like just Everybody because somebody's soulful or has that ability level. You know, I would love if she's saying, I need the every hour, but no, ma'am, I need you. But then Dietrich was saying when she was younger, they were saying she did get, they, you know, somebody was like, well, we had her when she was a kid. And then we, we messed that up because she was offered a deal, you know, with a gospel label when she was younger, she was doing GMWAs and stuff like that. So it was just like, uh, I think it's fun, yeah, funny how people, do that when it's a singer like because let's be honest jasmine sullivan is literally like r&b kimberell this mm-hmm. period but mm-hmm. i don't want jasmine singing making a gospel record i don't think that's her we, like, don't, I, we don't need that and the same with fantasia like how people oh, always try to make her like i don't think that that's where they where they belong like but I, that comment i wanted y'all thoughts because he threw that out there and it was like uh you know, turning comments in the room. It was interesting. No thanks. Bye bye, Red. I put your picture in the mirror. That one percent is the fact that I could listen to Jasmine sing I need D every hour just because I mean she's obviously it was sound am- not do I put an artist? No. But no. was she sound amazing doing it? Yeah, like let her feature on somebody's record or something, but absolutely. I don't, if she chooses to she make a gospel record, that's different. She can sing the the hits. She can. Yeah. She can sing a good hit. And I'll say this: oh, I'm crazy. It's crazy. I'm, I didn't even. I didn't I actually didn't like her on Joyful Joyful with Pentatonix. Crazy. I'm really? Like, what? <laughs> right. So no. hundred thousand percent. I didn't. But I just feel like I feel yeah. I, I, I mean, gospel music is terrible now. I don't even really listen to it. To be it's so I, bad. I have a playlist from y'all have stopped. Y'all have stopped writing good music. It's literally y'all have stopped writing good music, and it's so unfortunate. It's so unfortunate because like we got to lean on, and you know, even even for me, like Kirk's recent stuff, but like. Fred Hammond and Kirk Franklin, you know, back in the day, I don't even want to say back in the day, maybe a couple of years ago, but their pin game is thick. Like, yeah, thick, thick. I gospel but these artists like, now, I like equate them the same. Like, when you write a new Christmas song, I'll be like, what is this little shit? But if you're going to sing Santa Claus is Coming to Town, bust that down. Like, it's just, those are one the two genres that. You know, just sing the classics. Like, but here's the thing: you got to understand. At one point in time, the classics were new, so it's like mm-hmm. I, sure. I feel jam on that. Like, yeah, Santa Claus is coming to now. There needs to be more inspiration. Um, and, but I also feel like part of that gospel is label control because, like, uh, somebody was talking in the room about that how they were once signed on the gospel side, and then they were let go because they weren't 
quote unquote gospel enough mm. for the label. So gospel has pigeonholed itself musically. Um, yeah. To say they want certain, at, certain type of things. Yeah, because Fred Hammond's Free to Worship and um, Speak Those Things, those two albums for me, like, were so strong lyrically. Like, it's kind of like love. We're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about cheating. We're going to talk about sex. There's so many spectrums of it, but we're really talking kind of about the same thing when we really think about it. Yeah. But gospel music, it seems like it's just like, it's the same three words all over again. And it's just, I can't, they, they I'm having a hard like, time. Yeah. yeah. And these the one person are I like, enjoy the most is Jonathan McReynolds. I just feel like he is, yeah. he, he and is. And even for him, I feel like he holds back a lot. He don't go off locally. Yeah, he, he's he very... Don't. Yeah. Even though yeah, he can. And I, that's, yes. And so for me, like, I know he wants to talk about, you know, he wants to get the message out, which is so important. But for me, too, like, even musically with this last last joint, I was like, well, Jesus, like, you're not you're never going to give me a little bit? Like, you kind of hold him back, you know, a lot. Whereas somebody like Adara Walls, give me a little too much. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's just gospel music is tiring for me, and it used to be really dope. But. Gospel stuff I listen to is usually from 2009 and above. Exactly. And I'm not the most musically inclined person in the world by any means, but I feel that way just even when it comes to R&B. Like, I feel like the soul, like so many R&B singers in the past, like grew up in the church, right? I don't, and that soul came from church. I mean, I don't know SZA. I love her, but I mean, she, like, did she grow up in the church? Do we know? Like, the soul no, is like, Muslim. <laughs> the SZA's, the, the girls, the, the Janae Iko, whatever her name is. Like, you know, they, they they don't have them. Faith Evans, they don't have the Lorna. They don't have those soul branded. They don't have those soul voices that you grew up singing in the church. You know what I mean? And I feel like with gospel we don't even talk about growing up in the church anymore. Like all of us on this call grew up in some kind of church atmosphere. Right. Mm -hmm. And four out of six, actually five out of six people on this call can sing me. I'm not the singer. You do a little, you do a little something. You do a little something. Don't do that. I was the alto in the children's choir. You know your notes. Exactly. Yeah, I know my note. Yeah. I feel like I've gotten older. I'm That's a fine tenor. Um, so there's that. But you just the the day, outro. That's all. Yes, Ooh, at the right. end of the day, you know, I just feel, I guess, going back to the original question, jazz myself into this gospel, it's like, where? How did you come up to that conclusion? Because her voice—that's all. It has nothing to do with that. Her voice. And and while I think, while do I think that she would kill a gospel album? Like I would listen to Jasmine if she sung those gospel, old school hits. The I need thee every hour, Father. I stretch my hands to thee. You know, I would listen to her sing those songs. But do I want her? Y'all know I'm. Y'all know I'm Christian at heart. Listen, yeah. I, do I want her to? Let that be her career. I mean, if the Lord leads you, sis, but I feel like that's a very bold statement to just say, hey, Jasmine Sullivan should just stick the gospel. What? Yeah. Have you heard the hotels, brother? (laughs) (laughs) It's just just like somebody in the room. She just took a nigga home and don't know his name. And then somebody in the room was like, oh, go ahead, (laughs) Jam. Oh, no. Gospel artists, too, though, they be like, 
they use your voice. It just seems like almost predatory. Like they use like a lot of, you know, they just want to hear somebody show out and sing. And it's just like, y'all, the, you know, the message kind of gets lost for me. Um, you know, when they do like, when they do shit like that, like it just, it aggravates me. Like we got, and, and y'all take these singers and when you do have really great singers, y'all don't really do nothing with them. Cause you look at like Mignon, right? Like that sister was dope, and she was being produced by was it J Shop? Uh, I, I think it was ASAP. ASAP Ward. It's ASAP Ward. Yeah. Okay. Um. So she was with ASAP Ward. You know what I mean? Who was an incredible producer? Thing. They did nothing with her. Like, there's so many gospel artists that get thrown away, and they don't like, and it don't be on them. Like Amber from um, she, from Sunday's uh, yeah, Amber Bullock, who, I mean, for me, she, she could almost rival Jasmine if she wanted to. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I've seen a lot of stuff from her that is inc- incredible, incredible. Amber you know, is and, amazing and definitely similar. There are moments in, with her over the years, so I'm just kind of like, eh, I'll take Jasmine. I'm telling you, I've seen this girl flat foot sing. Me too. Huh? One of my favorite performances. I'm not saying B. I'm not saying B. I say rival, meaning potentially compete. You know what I mean? Not saying it. I don't think she's doing an R&B, though. She's turned to R&B now. I just don't hear Amber on R&B. That's just me. Alex, what were you saying? We also consume music differently now. You know, like, for me, gospel growing up, I listened to the radio. We listened to the radio. Like, Sunday mornings in Atlanta. I mean, y'all Florida people. So, in Atlanta, there's a brother who's still on the He's got to be, like, 85 and a half named Larry Tinsley. And my mom put him be one on three. Every morning, he's still on the radio. And you listen to that before we go to church. He'd be on from 6 a.m. to 12. And then there's the gospel stations. Like, that's where we consume gospel music. But, like, with music now, the way it's all this streaming most of the internet is talking about the stuff where you listen to. We look at Twitter, we look at Instagram, and we follow the artists that we like. But are we really following gospel artists like that anymore? I mean, are we truly investing ourselves in gospel music like we do every other rap, hip-hop, R&B? I just feel like we're not doing that as we used to because your mama would buy the CDs and the gospel music where she would play it, and that's what we listen to. So it got in our system, but are we truly research, like going out and well, searching me, for new music? I, think, I used to more. I used to as well. I think part yeah. of it is the way our church structures have changed. Most sure. of us went to, even if you went to a big church in the 80s and 90s, it was maybe, what, 800, 1,000 people at the most. So That's when true. you were a kid... I, I've always been in a church that had 2,000, two 3,000. I've always had a pretty... Right. Not many. Like new birth. Not a mega church. So even you have but, to think about the fact that even if these kids not, yeah. there's a generation of people who even if they were going to church, were they the best singer in a thousand people youth group? No, they weren't getting these solos. Yeah. Did they get to just go up to the drummer and be like, Teach me how to play? No. You know, there's so much learning that takes place when you're in a small church because you have the space to do so. And so there's a lot of us who are going to these non traditional churches, our kids are not learning the hymns. Our kids are not learning how yeah. to sing those old songs and those old harmonies. They're learning, like Kirk Franklin is old school to them. That's a traditional gospel song to them. So that that's, a, I think, a gap. And then don't forget the artists that we name that we're like, oh, they don't sound strong. They don't have the soul. Remember there was a time where we were begging people to not cut their music programs from schools? 
So we yeah. have a whole generation of people who have only learned music basically from mainstream, from radios and computers. Because if you're not getting, but then church, remember, gospel also went heavy CCM too, and that's a thing like that I see last... now. It's super CCM. Yeah, that became just took yeah. the slavery right out of like it. Like you said, yeah, like jam. You talk about like those three word songs that are like they really started mimicking the CCM formula in gospel a yeah. lot, and it's like I don't need you to like if it's genuine, cool, but like I don't need you to be CCM. Like I want you to be you. absolutely. I think that's why a lot of us aren't connecting with it. CCM did yeah, not... And they've get, had conversations about that, like yeah. gospel getting back to finding its identity because they was trying to chase the bag versus yeah. being themselves. Because yeah. CCM still ain't going to play you on the radio. So. You just watering down <laughs> your own people stuff. <laughs> right. Eek, eek, eek. All right, guys. Yeah, no. We have had a lovely discussion. Thank you all so much for being yeah. guests on Cocktail Conversations First Roundtable. Yeah. I've titled this Hotels, <laughs> Motels, and Holiday Inns. So we will... Uh, I'm going to be up all night editing this. So thank you all so much for your time. Oh, oh, thank you for having us. Here for you, friend. Thank you. Thank you. We will be better for you next time because that's Alex We will this definitely is, be better for you. This is the committee. I need to research. And my camera will be open. Yeah, I'm going to research if there's other platforms Even for this. Your viewers, your listeners can't see, but we want to see you, because we miss you, love. Yes. I miss you, yes. We miss you so much. Yes, my love. As I say, we want to see you the next time, darling. We saw I you know. for two seconds yeah, and then everything. You're like, why isn't it working? I'm like, I don't know. IT. <laughs> <laughs> I knew y'all need new laptop, laptop. <laughs> I love you guys. I'm gonna be up editing all night, and uh, love y'all too. I'll send you guys the links, and you can share with your networks. Cool. Okay. All right, everyone, that's going to be it for this week and part one of our discussion on the Jasmine Sullivan Project Hotels. We'll be back for part two next week. We dove in, we got deep, we talked about the music, we talked about Jasmine's career. Um, so I just encourage you to come back next week and listen to the rest of the conversation. Uh, I encourage you to email me at cocktailconvo7 at gmail.com. You can rate and subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen. It helps us get the word out. And, you know, you can always send me a message, and the link for that's in the description box. So have a wonderful day, my loves. Enjoy your MLK weekend. That's coming up, too. Bye, babies.